Psalm 46. And Psalm 46, look at uh, verse 3. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with a swelling thereof, Salah. You see the word shake? Well, that is the 46 word in to the 46th Psalm. Now look at verse 9. And he maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. Uh, he, he burneth the chariot in fire. And if you look at that word spear, that is the 46th word from the end of the psalm. So you go 46 words in to the 46th psalm. You have shake, 46 words from the end, shake, spear. Now this is a fact. Uh, Shakespeare and, and King James were contemporaries and they were friends. And the charge that they make is that because Shakespeare died when he's 46 years old, that King James told the King James translators to do that to honor his friend. And guys, if that's true, everything you believe about the King James Bible is a farce. You say, what's the answer? Get the book. <laughs> I'm trying to sell a book here, pal. Anyway, uh, it is, and, and I'll be honest with you, it is embarrassingly easy. It is, it is embarrassing at how, how you debunk that. So, uh, so those are back there. And I call these, these are, not, these are not really books. They look like books. They're bullets. And you guys know what to do with the bullet. You load, you load your weapon and you do one of two things. You defend yourself or go hunting. And that's what you can do with those. And then this is the big one. I probably, <coughs> I'll probably never do these again because uh, of the voice, the problem. I had surgery uh, about a year ago and they kind of messed them up, the vocal cords. But I used to do a 24-hour King James seminar. We would start on Thursday at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I would teach until 8 o'clock at night, and then Friday morning at 8, go to 8 o'clock Friday night. And in that 24 hours, it is a one-year college course. It is 32 separate lessons. That's how many you get in a year. Um, I, this, uh, this has, I think, 12, 12 DVDs of the lessons. It has a CD of the audio in MP3, if you want to listen to it while you're, while you're driving. Uh, and this comes with a 130-page syllabus that, uh, uh, that is reproduced on another CD. Some, just some of what uh, is covered in here is the two lines of manuscripts from Antioch and Alexandria, uh, the Hexapla, the Apocrypha, Theories of Inspiration, uh, the establishment of the canon. It's amazing how soon, how early in history it was decided what books belonged to the New Testament, which ones did not. Um, this is one, reasoned eclecticism. Now, doesn't that sound like something you go to the doctor for? When you hear reason, don't you think somebody's going to be reasonable? Nothing can be further from the truth. Um, you know, if you show a guy with an NIV that he's got 17 verses missing in his Bible, at least he can say this. Well, that's because we think the manuscripts from Alexandria are the best, and those verses aren't in there. They actually have some Greek manuscripts that they think are the best, about 50 of them. They don't have much more than 50 out of uh, 6,006. Um, here's what they, and I read the scholars, here's what the guy, they say now. We put in what we think should be there and hope someday someone will discover a manuscript that justifies our conjecture. Now that's called, that's called scholarship on drugs or scholarship gone wild. Uh, Dissidarius Erasmus, two names you never want to give your children. So um, 
that is, uh, that is basically a college course. So those are back there. Uh, Kathy will take care of you. Oh, i got to tell you this. got to tell you this because somebody's going to ask. Yes, we take credit cards. In fact, I still got a pocket full from the last church. It's, I may not look like Mary Smith, but I will be for the next two weeks. Um, but yeah, she has this. this don't, you like, don't you like truth in advertising? Okay, now listen very carefully. She has this thing on her phone, and she's going to swipe your card. So when you fill our car up next week in Boise, how did that happen? We told you we're going to swipe your card, okay? <laughs> so that is that. So um, those are out there. There's other things out there uh, that, uh, that maybe help, and I hope they are. If they're not, that's fine. Uh, we have a policy. Like I said, everything's 20% off. We have a policy that anything you get under your coat is free. So I imagine the quarries, the three of them, they could like, carry the whole table out. <laughs> Good night, man. They'll empty the whole thing. Uh, I want you to um, I want you to open your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm not preaching out of that. I just want to see if it's in your version. Uh, now, you know, sometimes a, a sermon title sounds like a real gripping thing, and, it, and the message has nothing to do with it. But I... Um, uh, what I'm going to tell you is not a semantical thing. I'm not twisting the English language to say what I'm about to say. You have been paid a compliment. Now, does that sound good? That sounds good. You say, what kind of compliment? How's this? Somebody thinks that you are smart. Everybody in this room thinks you are smart. Now, that's a compliment, right? Now, you have to understand compliments, the value of a compliment is who's, who's given it. You know, I mean, like, 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 Brother Dave, I, I, I heard a guy the other day said, you're the greatest preacher you ever heard. Yeah, his name was uh, Barack Obama. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I mean, if somebody told you that, they'd find, if somebody said, you know, Biden and Obama think you're the greatest preacher, they'd find me hanging in my garage, all right? <laughs> so I am going to tell you what the compliment is. Somebody thinks everyone in this room is smart. You know who gives a compliment? God. God thinks you're smart. Now, that's a pretty good compliment, right? To check, we're going to give you a little three-question test. And, and, and don't worry, you're going to do pretty good. You're going to surprise yourself. The first question comes in here. Uh, this is 1 Kings chapter 3. It is the beginning of the reign of King Solomon, the man who has gone down in history as the wisest man that ever lived. And this is the first test of that wisdom. Uh, let me read, uh, let me read it. Now let's just pray and then, we'll, then I'll just read the whole thing. Father, we thank you now, God, for your goodness, your grace, <clears throat> your very great kindness. You are, you are good. And you are good because you want to be good because nobody could make you be good if you chose not to be. And more and more, God, the, the, two, uh, the two attributes, I know you've got a lot of them, but the two that uh, I think probably bless me every day is your mercy and grace. So we thank you, God. We thank you for being you. And Lord, I know why these folks came here tonight. They want something from you, and they want something from your book. And if they don't get it tonight, it'll be my fault. They need you, God. They need you to get Sam Gipp out of their way so they can hear from you. You get me out of your way so you can speak to them. God, if you could, uh, if you could speak to their hearts, and, and at the end of this service, they would be edified. Then being edified, they might go out and live to your glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. 
So here is the beginning uh, of what we find the wisdom of Solomon. Verse 16, then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. Let me say this before it is legal in this country. This is not an honorable profession. These are not what you would call honorable women. All right. Uh, So we would not uh, look kindly on them, but look at their their problem. Uh, And the one woman said, oh, my Lord. Hey, guys, guys, you ever you ever start prayer like that? You know, you can, you, can, you can lavish out some prayers. I was in Georgia one time. I'll never forget it. They asked this old Georgia guy, old man, you know, uh, suit and tie, white hair, looked like that stereotypical southern gentleman. And he must have been like nine feet tall. Because they said, brother so-and-so, would you stand and pray? And he stood in sections. I mean, it was like, it took him 15 minutes to stand up. It was like watching somebody get one of those, you know, one of those inflatable men and put the air to it. And he kind of, here's how he come out of his chair. And when he got up there, I want to go, yeah, he made it. And then, and then the guy has the voice that I would like to have when I grow up. His vocal cords are somewhere down in his shoes. Now, Heavenly Father, I can't do that too much, okay? And he says, Ah, Heavenly Father, Thou who hast been so good to us, Thy children. And I'm sorry, guys, you know what I'm thinking? Prayer is not an art form. Prayer's talking to your father. And if you've ever had a real crisis, do you ever start one out? Oh, my God. I don't like that OMG stuff people do. Um, before I got saved, before, uh, it was a night, me and a buddy of mine were in a car. We were, we were um, drinking more than Coca-Cola. And it was a rainy night, and we're going down a country road. Off to the left are some railroad tracks at about a four-foot drop. And, and it was not my fault. The road turned out from under me. I'm going straight, and the road made a right. And, and so we are, we are bouncing through this through this uh, shrubbery, and we are headed for a telephone pole. And it is going to hit right in front of the guy beside me. You say, how do you know? Because I'm driving. And I just want you to know, if you're with me and we're going to hit a pole, your side gets it, if I have anything to say about it. And the funny thing, the funny thing is, he's, we're bouncing around, uh, and, and he looks up, and he sees this telephone pole just getting bigger and bigger. And he, he looked up, and he went to prayer. And he went, my heavenly father. Now, you really think that's what he said? No. He, he looked up. He said three words, and down he went. He looked up. He went, oh, my God. Down he went. He got through. We missed the pole. This lady starts out. Listen, when you start out with, oh, my Lord. Come on, have you ever prayed? And it kind of went like, I have no tomorrow. That's where she is. And so this is, I know these two women, it's not an honorable profession, but we're not looking at their profession. We're looking at two mothers. The one woman said, oh, my Lord, I am this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered, that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And the woman's child 
died in the night because she overlaid it. Guys, verse 19 is a tragedy. What mother would like to, you know, sometimes moms sleep with their little babies next to them and wake up and find out that you rolled on top of your child in the night and killed it. That's got to be awful. Verse 20, and she rose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thine handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. When I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is thy son. And it said, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Now, I always tell people this. You know, I'm big about read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. And, and I tell people, so when you read your Bible, because I get this. Oh, Egyptus reads his Bible to count how many times he's been through it. To which I always say, well, what are you counting? Antlers? The length of a fish? Grandchildren? How many grandchildren? Did you ever notice everybody counts something? And I tell people, I don't tell people just read it to count it. I said, get out of your chair and get out of your room and get out of your house, get out of the time which you live and enter what you're, what you're reading, okay? And if you would see this, this is a tragedy. But here's where they are. Here's the king, probably sitting on some kind of a throne, elevated, and here's these two women. And they are going back and forth. The, the living child's mine. The dead one's yours. No, the living child's mine. The dead one's yours. No, no, no. The Guys, you know what I mean? It's like, bring me a sword. <laughs> That's what he says. And the king, uh, verse 23, and, the king, uh, and, and then said the king, the one saith, this is my son that liveth, and, the son, and thy son is the dead. And the other say, nay, but... Thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. Now, no joke, but isn't it nice when you're telling somebody something and they get it? And he gets it. This woman says that the living baby is hers and the dead one is yours. You say the dead one is hers and the living one's yours. After that, yeah, you got it. Right, right there. You got it. Now, just give me the baby. We'll be okay. And the, and the king said, verse 24, bring me a sword. Now, if you were arguing a point of ownership of a child, wouldn't the first thing you think was, why do we need a sword? We, we're just, just give us one of us the kid. Why do you need a sword? Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, O oh my Lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. You know why God thinks you're smart? Because he never really tells you which one got the baby. He just says, give her, but there's two hers there, right? And every one of you know which one got the baby. You know why? Because you're smart. I'm serious. That's the reason. You know, you know, you don't have to tell somebody, you know, step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, if they got enough sense. And so God figured if he didn't say, give it to the one. Now, there's a little hint there uh, in verse 20, 26. When that woman yearns for her, for, the, for her son, she said, oh, my Lord. And I think I heard that earlier in this passage. But 
everybody knows who got the baby. Even though he doesn't say, it doesn't end with, and so so-and-so got the baby and the other, the other lady didn't. And everybody in here knows which one got the baby. Got the, mom got the baby. The one that said, oh my Lord, she's the one that got the baby. And you know that, don't you? Know why? Because you're smart. And you've already, you've already, you already clicked off one yes on a three-question quiz. Look at Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs chapter 26 I, uh, you know, when I recommend people read the Bible, I always tell them, read a proverb for the date. You know, the book of Psalms speaks to your spirit when you're down, when you're scared, when you're, you know, you're brokenhearted. You go to Psalms because you need something to speak to your spirit. Proverbs does not speak to your spirit. Proverbs speaks to your soul. I never read a proverb, but that I don't find something lacking in me. Okay? It just, just happens. I'll tell you what happened in 20, 26, what I thought of. Years ago, I was talking to a guy named Mike. Mike was a King James Bible believer. This is the craziest thing I ever heard. He believed the King James Bible is perfect word of God. Isn't that what you believe? And did not believe you had to read it. Now, that's like believing in steak and not eating it. And I believe in steak, but that conviction does, no, does me no good until we go to a restaurant and celebrate the death of a cow. And, and so I said, Mike, I, now, I said, Mike, do you believe every word in this book came from God? He goes, I sure do. I said, Mike, have you read every word in this book? No. Now, I don't know, look, if you've never read every word in the Bible, don't you ever say you believe every word came from God because you don't know what you're amening. And that's what I told him. I said, Mike, I said, you understand that based on your second answer, you're not qualified to give me the first one? I said, did you know that right in the middle of the Bible, it says Mike is an idiot. He goes, it does not. I said, how do you know? <laughs> but you know, if he went to Proverbs chapter 26, that is the chapter for the fool. And I think he would find him, yeah, you know, it was, it's still a four-letter word. Mike is one way to spell it. Fool is another. Gip is another. But look what it says here in verse 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. You ever talk to somebody that's just an idiot? Boy, you try to explain something to an idiot, you would do better talking to a telephone pole. So, God says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto it. But don't look at the next one. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. Now, guys, there are no contradictions in the Bible, but doesn't that kind of look like it just might possibly be because he says don't answer a fool according to his folly and the next verse answer a fool according to his folly now that is some serious Alzheimer's I mean to hit that fast and and guys if it said here answer not a fool according to his folly lest you be like unto him and then maybe over in Luke or Isaiah or something it said answer a fool according to his folly lest he be wise in his own conceit I have a problem with that I would say, whoa, that, that just doesn't make any sense. Now, you really think God is going to say those two things one after the other and not know something? You say, well, what does he know? I'm going to tell you what he knows. There's no flattery. He thinks you're smart. He thinks you know when to not answer a fool according to his folly. And he thinks he know, you know when to answer a fool according to his folly. I, I was talking to a guy one time. And, I, you know, I'm a Baptist, but, man, Baptists, 
we can, we can snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. We can find a cloud in every silver lining. I mean, Baptists, they are always glum. And then you say, what about? Well, you know, this, 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 this face for rent. You know, I'm depressed about something. You give me something. And I was talking to this young Christian, you know, and, uh, and he was having some kind of a problem. I can't remember what it was. It was big to him. It really wasn't a big problem. And he goes, what do I do? I said, well, you just do this. He goes, well, if I do this, then that'll happen. I said, well, uh, if that happens, do this. Well, yeah, but then if I do that, this will happen. I said, then do this. Well, if I do that, then this will happen. I said, I know what we need to do. I said, let's just kill ourselves. You first. <laughs> the guy was determined to be a fool. And when I realized I was talking to a fool, you try to talk sense to a fool. And when you realize you're talking to a monkey, you're talking to somebody that doesn't have two wires that are connected in their head, then don't worry. Do you say, I've had people say, well, doesn't that offend them? And honest, it doesn't. You know why? Because when you're that dumb, you're too dumb to be offended. I'm serious. You answer fool, uh, according to folly, and they're not offended because they're too dumb. But guys, this great God who knows everything thought that everybody in this room was so smart that when you talk to a fool, you would know when to answer him according to his folly and when not to. And you do, don't you? Guys, you already passed the test. We got three quiz tests, three quiz questions, and even if you drop the ball on the third one, you pass two-thirds, correct? Because somebody thinks you're smart. Now we're going to look at the third one. I want you to go with me, if you will, <clears throat> to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and I have to tell you something. Maybe it's a confession. Uh, maybe it is a plea. Do you guys know what a heroin baby is? A heroin baby is a child whose mother takes heroin, and the baby is born addicted to heroin. Never took heroin. It's, it's not been out there where it could take heroin. And it is born addicted to heroin. It's a heroin baby. Okay. I have said this to my Lord. I, I still don't know if I've got a dispensation, any kind of grace on this, but um, if you're honest, American, we put a higher premium on our personal freedoms than the Bible does. Remember what the Bible says? Oh, oh, you're a servant? You're a slave? Okay, you got saved? Well, then be a good slave. Whoa. Well, where's the Abraham Lincoln when you need him? And I've told the Lord this, that if you and I, I you're the, you're, you got the same problem I got. You heard of a heroin baby. I'm a freedom baby. It's been in my veins since I was born. I have heard about freedom every, every day of my life. You know, I tell people when I got saved, people say, man, when I got saved, everything changed. Everything was new. I don't say that. I say everything but one thing changed. Only one thing in my life did not change when I got saved. You know what it was? I didn't start loving that flag when I got saved because I did before I got saved. Yeah. That one stayed with me. I've always loved this country. I've always loved this flag. We've got Bible-believing brethren who have made hating this country a Bible doctrine. I'm not with that. And I've told the Lord, hey, you think about some of this stuff. Uh, I know they're wrong. You get Jeremiah chapter 42, 43. Here's what these guys do. 
uh, Babylon has conquered Israel, and one of the guys in Israel kills the king that Babylon put over. And so these guys go, well, you know what's going to happen? Now, Babylon's going to come down here and kill us all. Let's escape to Egypt. Somebody said, well, let's ask Jeremiah. He's a man of God. And they'll go to Jeremiah and they go, hey, listen, uh, we're not going to tell you what this is about, but go to God and just tell us what to do and we're going to do it because you're the man of God. And well, oh, okay. So he goes and prays and God says, tell him not to go to Egypt. Okay. So he goes, uh, guys, don't go to Egypt. And they go, God didn't speak by you. <laughs> and then not only do they go to Egypt, they kidnap him. <laughs> they take him with them. You know what he told him? He said, let the king of Babylon come down here and take you from your homes and go to Babylon and seek the peace of the city where they make you a prisoner. Now, I am sorry, guys, but if somebody ever puts me in a boat and says, we're taking you to Beijing, China, and seek the peace of that city, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm a freedom baby. And I've told the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't mean with any defiance against him or this book, but this has been in my veins since day one. I have a hard time. And, and in Romans chapter 8, there is a word that I love. It is a wonderful word. Look at chapter 8 and look at verse 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Ooh, some of you remember what the bondage of corruption was like. But look at this. Into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Man, I'm telling you, Jose, I like liberty. I like that word. Uh, you know, I tell people this because we're looking at a country that is slowly being shackled and enslaved. I'm going to say something tonight. I'll bet, I'll bet I know the answer. Not one of you tonight, not one of you on your way to church were stopped and said, you can't go to church anymore. But you know there are people that would close the doors of this place if they could. Maybe someday they will. And maybe someday that's going to be the will of God because it's punishment and judgment on this country and we're in this country. But, you know, they say that uh, they built the Titanic and, and they said, even God couldn't sink this ship. And, you know, it, was, it sank, and that was the judgment of God on it. And that may well be, but I can tell you, if I was on the Titanic, until they told me there was no hope, I'd be bailing <laughs> against the will of God. Say, why? I'm on a boat. I like liberty. And he calls it glorious liberty of the children of God. Guys, we have glorious liberty. You don't even know. You have no idea how free you are. You have no idea how big that word liberty is with God, but you're going to see it. Uh, look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 17. A familiar verse. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Guys, the reason there's been liberty in this country from its founding is because, you know, people say, uh, you know, the pilgrims came over here to, to have a multicultural society. No, they didn't. Oh, they came over here for, for free enterprise. Hey, they didn't come over here to start Pizza Hut. They came over here to go to church anytime they wanted, any church they wanted, and have nobody stop them. And... Um, the greatest thing Patrick Henry ever said, no, 
No, it is not give me liberty or give me death. You think that's the greatest thing he ever said because that's the only thing you know he ever said. But the greatest thing he ever said was this. He said, it cannot be, uh, it cannot be, uh, get the word, get the word. It cannot be stated too frequently or too often, too loudly or too often, that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why we are free, because, because the Spirit of the Lord was here from day one. We have a bell that is almost sacred to our country. That's the name of it. I was, uh, I was at the Liberty Bell some years ago, and uh, my guide, he said, an interesting thing happened here, I think he said in 1987. He said, um, we had to usher everybody out of the out of the building. And we kept the building empty and a limousine pulled up. And a white-haired man, one man, got out of that limousine, walked up. He was the only man in the room with the Liberty Bell. And they said he just stood there and looked at it for about a half an hour. And then he turned around and walked back out to his limousine and left. That man's name was Boris Yeltsin. And he went back to the Soviet Union and pulled the plug on it because he understood liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But if look, if where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, then if the Spirit of the Lord leaves, what leaves with it? Liberty. And are we not seeing that? Now, let me show you. We have liberty. Let me show you how much liberty you got. You won't believe it. You won't like it. You actually won't like it, but it's still true, so that's okay. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to read quite a passage here, but that's okay. It's probably all the Bible some of you are going to read today anyway. Look what it says. We'll start about verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh... Uh, are not they that eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar? What say I then? That the idol is anything? Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? Now, now let me ask you a question. Okay? Look at this pulpit. Oak, I imagine. Been here as a pulpit was here when I passed. I, you, think, you think it took every bit of the tree that they cut down to build this pulpit? That's an awful short tree. I'm betting that there was a whole lot of oak left over. And the oak that was used to make this pulpit, somebody could have taken a piece of it, carved a god out of it. Let me ask you a question about this pulpit. Does it know it's here? Is it aware? Ouch! You know, call the pulpit's abuse squad or something. This pulpit, pulpit does not know. You know why? Because it's made out of dead wood. And if the same piece of wood was carved into a god, it doesn't know it's here either. So if you offer something to I mean, if you offer something to this pulpit, it doesn't know. It, there's nothing special about it. And if you offer it to a, a false god, there's nothing to it. That's what your Bible just said. So watch. Verse 20, but I say that the things which, which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. Isn't that a kind of nice You know, it would kind of be nice if you didn't have fellowship with the devils. Because you guys kind of hold that off. What do he say? Don't go bowling with Democrats. I think that's what it says in Greek. 
You cannot drink. <laughs> Grant will never go bowling with another Democrat. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devils. You cannot be partaker of the Lord's table and of the table of the devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Watch this. All things. What does all things mean? Do I mean all things? That means, let me ask you a question. When, when it says all things, is there something exempted? Is there something left out? If somebody says you can have all the things in the house and you start walking out with everything, they can't say, oh, not that. You said all things. All things are lawful for me. Doesn't that make you want to go to a party? <laughs> Man, I could walk in Walmart and fill my pocket. All things are lawful for me. Ah, but look, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Now, I got to admit, I got brethren who have made that their life's verse. They're seeking another's wealth. Whatsoever sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience sake. Now, I have to, I got to tell you something. I've been to some of those restaurants right there where they put it on a table and you don't even ask. I was in an Egyptian restaurant one time. I figured the pastor must hate me. Took me to an Egyptian restaurant. And they brought this stuff out, and I don't know what it was, but look, you ever see like a, like a volcano of mashed potatoes? Except that one was kind of gold-colored, one was kind of a pink-colored, and one was green, and they had like, it, you know how you cup the gravy at the top? But it was like motor oil. And motor oil actually would have been an improvement. And I can remember, I'm trying to eat this stuff, and then they brought out just boiled white rice. And honest, I said, well, there. Who can ruin rice? Got that answered. <laughs> and I'm eating, and I told Kathy, I said, now I know why the Jews wanted out of Egypt. <laughs> then they want to go back for the menu. And so sometimes, you know, you just, I was, I was in, uh, I was in uh, the Philippines, and, and they had these little chunks of meat, four different dishes, four different gravies. And I had it all. It's very good. And I asked my Filipino pastor, I said, uh, What's this? He said, that's beef. Oh, beef. I like beef. Beef. I said, what's this? He said, that's chicken. Oh, chicken. Chicken. I mean, Baptist bird. Love bird. Well, what's this? That's pork. Oh, yeah. I like beef, chicken, pork. Beef, chicken, pork. I said, um, what's that one? <laughs> you know, I've never gotten the answer. He kind of, he went like this. That's a Filipino dish. <laughs> I said, yeah, but what, what, what is it? What is it? I don't know what it was, but I treed three cats when I left the place. Okay? I don't want to tell you what I did to the parked cars. And there just sometimes you just, you, you can't even identify it by the fur. You just go ahead and eat for conscience sake. Look at verse uh, 27. Watch. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. For, but if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols. Now let me ask you a question. Didn't he just say something sacrificed to an idol? 
Doesn't mean anything. Because the idol's nothing. This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, verse 28. Eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness there of conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty, there's the word, judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace uh, be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of? For that which I give thanks. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, let me tell you, I experienced what, you just, what we just read. Uh, our background is Romanian. And, uh, you know, I got saved when I was 20, so I was, I was in a Romanian church coming up. And um, the Romanians, when they, uh, when they had a funeral, they would do this. They had, a, they had a, a round loaf of bread. Now, do you like good bread? I'm talking about good bread. Man, like you could eat it till you hurt yourself. That is Romanian bread. This is good stuff. But before they passed it out to the people at the funeral, it would be after the funeral, you know, and they're, have, they're eating. Uh, the guy, you know, dressed like mother, calls himself father. The priest would come out, and, and he would get a bunch of, uh, I don't know if they were special people or not, and they'd kind of they'd stand in like a, uh, a wagon wheel with the bread in the center. And they'd go around, Mary go around, you know, and then they'd turn around, he'd hocus pocus. And what he was doing was he was blessing that bread. Let me ask you something. Was he blessing the bread? Was the bread any different when he was done praying? The, no, not a bit, not a bit. And then they would break that bread up, and they would go through, and everybody would take a piece of bread. It's good bread. Could only use some butter, but it was good bread. So my dad, my dad got saved in this church on uh, September 19th, 1982. Right down there, I led my dad to the Lord. Kathy led my mom to the Lord. Two, mo- two, we- two months later, my dad had a stroke uh, and spent the rest, uh, next 10 years of his life in a nursing home. So he never grew. And when he died, they had uh, the funeral at the Romanian Catholic Church. I think if my dad had not had that happen... I think he'd have got my mom out of, the, out of that church because he, he wouldn't have taken that anymore. So my, they had this, uh, they had this uh, funeral at, my da- at the Romanian Catholic Church. Now the funeral's over. We're here to eat. And out comes the priest with the bread. That's good bread. It's really good bread. And he gets his volunteers and they do their little wagon wheel, hocus pocus and, and, and all that. And then he breaks it up. Let me ask you a question. Again, when he got done with their dance, was it any more holy than it was before? No. I can eat it. I can eat it with no problem. The idol that he offered it to isn't even real. So they started bringing the bread around, and all three of our boys were young at that time, and, and, and one of the boys went to grab the bread, and I went, I went, no, no, we don't eat the bread. And the guy with the bread goes, oh, no, no, it's okay. The priest blessed it. I said, yeah, we don't eat the bread. And, you know, they, they stood off to the side and did this about us being nuts, you know, got the Bible. But what do you think someone would have said if they ate that bread? Someone in there, their conscience would have, been, would have been hurt. Not because there was anything special about the bread. Now, wait, wait, wait. All things are lawful for me. Good night. If all things are lawful, all things, if I want to drive on the sidewalk, I will. Which I do quite often. But... All things are not expedient. All things edify not. And I certainly could eat bread offered to a God that doesn't exist because it isn't any different than before it was offered. But it wasn't expedient and it wouldn't edify. And you know what God thought? Here's what God thought. He thought I was so smart 
that I'd know when to not exercise my liberty. And you know what we've done? There's, there's a group today that they talk about liberty a lot. And boy, their liberty is something. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, I said, when I was lost, you know what I used to do? I walked into this building. The walls were painted black. There was low lighting. There were flashing colored lights, rock music, and we all drank beer. It was called a bar. You walk in that place today, it's called a church. That's what they call them. You say, well, they don't drink beer. Yes, they do. Oh, man, they do everything. They bed hop. They take dope. They do it all. They got, I've seen where they got a tattoo parlor in the church. Well, it's not a church. You know, it's a, it's a Christian. I call it a Christian theme park. It's entertainment with a Christian theme. But, but guys, the Lord thought if he gave you liberty to do anything. Say, what do you mean anything? All things. Isn't that everything? He thought you were so smart that if he said, you can go do anything. I mean, did anything flash through your mind when you heard that? But he thought you'd be mature enough to say, yeah, I can do that. That's not expedient. I could do that. That does not edify. He thought if we, he gave us this liberty, we would know how to handle it. I want you to look at another one. Look at Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5. And look at verse 13. <clears throat> For brethren, you have been called, oh, there it is, guys, unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh but by love serve one another. You know what he thought, guys? Guys, you know what? When you say you have liberty, I tell you what I did. I did this to Bryant Legault many years ago. Luke was about two. And we're going somewhere. Kathy and I are going somewhere. And Bryant and his wife are going to watch Luke. And you know, we, you know why we named him Luke. Because all the other four-letter words were taken. And, and so here's Brian standing here. And I got down with Luke. Because you know how you warn your kid? I'll squeeze your head if you do anything. I went, now Luke. I said, when you go into Brian's house, you can climb on anything you want to. You can open anything up and look at it. You can turn anything on or anything off. The and, and the funny thing is that Brian is standing there just, just about going spastic, hysterically laughing. And Luke is looking at me like, you will kill me if I do that. He knew. He knew. And he never made it through that night. But, um, but you know what I'm saying? You got liberty, boy. Do anything you want. Guys, he said all things are lawful. And you know what people have done with their liberty? They've made an excuse to turn their flesh loose. And I can listen to what I want to listen to. And I can watch what I want to watch. And I can drink what I want to drink. And I can go where I want to go. And that is all true. Because all things are lawful. But you know what that means? Somebody's so dumb. You know, I, I, here's, how I, here's how I compare this. You know, the, we all talk about the Second Amendment, the right to have a, to, to, the right to have a gun. When our founding fathers put the Second Amendment in the Constitution, you know what they were saying? They thought this. If we let Americans have guns, they'll be smart enough to use them responsibly. And they were right. 
You say, oh, no, 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 they're right. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but a gun in the possession of a law-abiding citizen is a gun that for all practical purposes doesn't exist. If anybody in this room has guns, you're probably not going to go shoot up the high school. You're probably not going to go to the mall and shoot anybody. You're probably not going to go shoot somebody because of road rage. See what I'm saying? So they were right. They thought if they gave us guns, we would have enough sense to know what to do with them or to do nothing with them. Well, that's what God did with liberty. He said, give them liberty. And one of the angels says, well, 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 don't you put a few disclaimers on this? You know, except for, no, no, tell them, tell them uh, I'll tell you what you do. Tell them all things are lawful. Well, Lord, Lord, you're, you're writing this, you know, remember, remember Genesis 7, remember Sodom. You're writing this to that crowd right there. Yeah, except they have me. Write that to the ones that accepted my son as their personal savior because they should be a little different. And you tell them they can do anything they want. But they should be expedient. They should have enough sense to know if it doesn't edify. And I'm going to let them go and see what happens. Guys, that is a tremendous compliment. Is that not? And yet how many Christians do you know have taken that? I, I love that word liberty. But I may have taken that word liberty. And they have turned their little kid loose in a candy store and said, grab everything you can. They went, they went and turned their flesh loose, and they don't say no to themselves about anything. And if you say anything to them, what do they say? I got liberty. I got liberty. Well, they do. They're just not very smart. Look what First uh, Peter says. First Peter chapter 2, and look at verse 16. As free, we are free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Now, guys, you know what the unpardonable sin is. The unpardonable sin is to disagree with me. No, I didn't, say, I didn't mean to disagree with Sam Gipp. I mean all Christians believe that the unpardonable sin is to disagree with them. You know what a liberal is and you know what a legalist is. A legalist is anybody with one more conviction than you got and a liberal is anybody with one less. And anybody that makes you mad has committed the sin unto death. And you know what he thought? Uh, guys, guys, you know what? I've had people do this. Somebody joins a church. And somebody goes, oh, your new family joined? Yeah, oh, we'd like to have you for dinner. And then they have them over for dinner. And then they start in on the pastor. Well, you know, we love our pastor. There are just some things we're praying about. Guys, you know why I like being a Baptist? I do. You know why I like being a Baptist? Baptists don't gossip. Well, come on. You guys laughed at that. All right. How many dirty, rotten, backstabbing gossips do we have here? I never see a volunteer. Baptists don't gossip, but Baptists can spread killer prayer requests. <laughs> well, I just, I'm just telling you this so that you can better pray about it. My goodness, churches have split over prayer requests. Do you know that? You ought to say, why? why? Now look, what I just said, 
You have the liberty to do. You have the liberty to do. God said that. But you know what God says a lot in this book? You remember when he told Moses, I am going to kill them all. And I've, again, I've often, I've often stood there and watched that. I'm watching God and Moses. And, and Moses says, God says to Moses, I'm gonna, about Israel, I'm going to kill them all. And Moses says, no, no, no. And he finishes the sentence. And make a greater nation of you. No kidding. <laughs> really? I mean, can you imagine going to work and the boss of the factory comes and says, I'm firing your supervisor. Oh, no. No, yeah, I'm firing your supervisor. And you get his job. No kidding. When do I start? <laughs> he says, when he said that, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to kill him. You know what he's going to do? You know what he's doing? He wanted to see if Moses would say, do it. He said, I was checking you out. Bible didn't say he, he tempts us. When he tempts us, not with sin, he tempts us. He tests us. And time and again, he'll do something. And I'm sorry, guys. Sometimes it's just stubbing your toe in the middle of the night, see how many words you can say and which ones they'll be. He wants to see what your reaction's going to be. And maybe, maybe there's a time. You ever, I, I got to tell you one time I was, uh, I was talking to a preacher and he opened the door for something I wanted to say so bad. but it was something that should not have been said. So I just shut up. And like 30 seconds later, he said what I was going to say. <laughs> he already saw it. Ooh, I'm glad I didn't step in that one. <laughs> but I had the liberty to do it. You say, how do you know? All things are lawful. All things, not some things, not most things. I mean, if that all doesn't mean all, then maybe when Jesus Christ died for all, that didn't mean all either. Let's be Calvinist. All means all. And all things are lawful for me. But all things, come on, guys. You've got to have enough sense to know all things aren't expedient. All things are lawful, but you've got to have enough sense to know not everything edifies. And you know what this God, this God here, who cared enough to send his son down to die in your place, he thought if he never told you which lady got the baby, you'd be smart enough to figure it out. And you did. And he thought if he told you, answer not a fool according to his folly, and the next verse said, answer a fool according to his folly, he thought you would be smart enough to figure it out. And you did. And then he really did it. He gave you liberty. Say, what kind of liberty? All things are lawful. That kind of liberty. I can do anything I want. So well, you can't do anything you want. I can do anything I want. It just may not be expedient. It may not edify. And he thinks that I'll throttle myself just like our founding fathers thought if they let us have guns, we wouldn't walk down to the corner and shoot the guy to get his money. They thought, they thought we would handle that well. And God thought we would handle our liberty well. So let me ask you a question. How are you doing with that liberty? I mean, we always look out the door, like I said, to the, to the contemporaries and what they have. They do a dance, literally, on top of liberty. So we can always see those examples of, of what do you call it, uh, exploiting liberty, 
just over, over, overusing liberty. But they got liberty to do anything they want. Have you, ever, have you ever stopped yourself from something you're allowed to do? But you thought, I don't think I should. I don't think this will glorify God. I don't think this will help anybody. Guys, I got to eat that whole pan of bread and it wouldn't have meant a thing to me or God. But somebody in that room, they just said, he ate the sacred bread and he knew what he was doing. And it wasn't sacred bread. And I got liberty to do it. And you want to know the truth? I still wish I could have some of that bread. I want to go kill a Romanian just so I can have some bread, okay? I'd like you to stand with your heads bound. You see, I did not use a semantical twist to say something with the title that wasn't really true. I told you somebody paid you a compliment that the somebody was God and that he thought you were smart. And then you went and proved him right because you knew which woman got the baby. And every one of you know when to answer a fool according to his folly and when not to. And he thought if he gave you liberty, you'd handle it right. How you been doing that? How you been doing with that? Come on, you've proved the founding fathers. You've, you've proved them. They were, they were correct when they could trust you with a gun. But God gave you something way bigger than a gun. He gave you something with more power than any weapon. He gave you liberty. How you been doing with that? So I'm going to have a word of prayer. And then the instruments will begin to play. And maybe somebody needs to come up and just say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for the liberty.